Hi, I'm Dr. Greg Goins from the Reimagine Schools podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to right now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. Welcome back for another episode of the Leader of Learning podcast. This is where educators can come to find inspiration to transform education through effective leadership. I'm your host, Dan Krinas. Let's get started. Hey, Leader of Learning. When it comes to professional development, wouldn't you want to save money and choose PD that meets your needs? Midwest Teachers Institute offers the most affordable, state-accredited graduate courses on the market for salary enhancement, state certification, and continued education with no hidden fees. With classes designed by professionals active in their field, you get practical tips to help you improve what you do best. Sign up for a class and see why they truly are teachers helping teachers. Visit MidwestTeachersInstitute.org and enter the coupon code LEARNING at checkout to save $30 off your first course. That's MidwestTeachersInstitute.org and coupon code LEARNING. Basically, nothing was right. There was a lot of very abusive behaviors. Pitting people against one another. A lot of shaming, a lot of um, firing for no good reason. Basically, my phone was, anytime I would go out anywhere, I was always attached and that person thought I could always respond and work for them. And so there became no work-life balance and then work, which was always so motivational for me, became such a stressor in my life. I started behaving in ways that were not aligned with me. I have a lot of great um, morals and a lot of great centering. And all of a sudden I saw shifts in myself that I just wasn't behaving in the ways that I was proud of. And also I had a lot of anxiety, depression. Um, I couldn't sleep at night. And for whatever reason, I thought I was the problem. All right. Well, it's my honor to bring on here in episode 85, Dr. Stephanie Hinshaw, who is the Senior Vice President of Academic Affairs at American College of Education. And I am a big fan of American College of Education because I am an alum, uh, now having completed two degrees, a master's and a doctorate from ACE. And so uh, like I said, I'm a big fan, but this is not a commercial or a promotion. It is just to say that that is Dr. Stephanie's job. And uh, what else can you tell our listeners about who you are, where you are, and what you do? Yeah, sure. Um, I'm also a fan of American College of Education, but like you said, <laughs> not, a, not a plug there. Um, so as Dan shared, my name is Stephanie Henshaw. I'm the Senior Vice President of Academic Affairs at American College of Education. Um, I live in Indianapolis, Indiana with my husband and two dogs. I am an avid skier, which doesn't work out great in Indianapolis, Indiana, um, but we do head west several times a year to be able to get that, um, that fulfillment in. And my passion area and research area is in toxic leadership, um, which is actually not linked to my day job. Um, I want to make sure I pre preface that. Um, however, it is the research area that I do and speak on and something I care very passionately about and what my dissertation re research was in was toxic leadership. So. That's a little bit about me. It's funny how you that's funny how you have to go around and, and add that little caveat in there. Like <laughs> that's I'm not advocating for toxic leadership. That's just what I study. It's, it's yeah. funny. Um, it's like the opposite of what I studied. 
you know what? Let's do that. Let's let's start with kind of the good about leadership, um, and, and then we'll we'll work our way backwards, I guess, in terms of the effectiveness of it. You know, on this show, as I mentioned to you even before we started recording, we talk about mostly good leadership and um, and how anyone can practice good leadership, transformational leadership, um, no matter what their role is or what their title is in education. Uh, and so, before we talk about the bad stuff, I, I guess I would ask you what you could add to the conversation in terms of what good leadership should look like. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I totally agree with you. I believe that people can lead no matter if they have a quote unquote title of leader or not, um, especially in the field of education. I could argue that every teacher, every educator is leading at some point in some groups. And in fact, sometimes the most meaningful way of leadership. So couldn't agree with you more that leadership is not a title. It's more of an act in who you are. Um, as far as good leadership, you know, I think I've been very fortunate to have some good leaders and hopefully I am considered one, I, I hope. Um, and I think, you know, from my perspective, we have transformational leadership, inclusive leadership, and then my favorite, which is servant leadership. Um, but you know, to the point of what I would add to good leadership is that I think as a leader, we have so many wonderful ways we can influence people's lives and so many opportunities with conversations, with coaching, with just being there and listening. And that's the fun part of leadership, in my opinion. It's not necessarily managing the tasks. It's definitely not the paperwork or filling out, you know, the time cards, but being able to watch people grow. And so I think that's the, the fun part of it. And I just encourage all people that are leading to be able to um, enjoy that while you're doing it. Cause there's a lot of fun other parts that are not as fun, but that's really, a, in my opinion, the powerness, the powerfulness of leadership. You know, it's interesting as we both talk about uh, how much we believe in that anyone can be a leader, no matter what their role is or that their title, something interesting happened to me today where uh, in my school, I, I guess, share coaching responsibilities uh, with one other person who, um, basically they coach the math department. I coach the English department. Um, but, but my coaching colleague asked me today, do you ever miss, you know, being a classroom teacher and, and working with the students? And I, I'm assuming he asked that because he does. And it's yeah. not that I don't, but I don't really, <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm really happy. I'm really happy doing what I'm doing. I mean, yeah, sure. There were, there are absolutely benefits to being in the classroom and, and, you know, building the relationships with the the students and, and having that kind of rapport with the student learners. But I've, I've definitely made a, sort of a mind shift and a career shift, I guess, over the last few years to really work with adult learners. And I'm not, I'm definitely not saying that one, you know, whether you're a classroom teacher leader, that's better leadership or, uh, an, you know, leading the adults and being, you know, more aligned with the adult learners. I'm not saying one is better than the other. I, I just find it interesting how some people gravitate toward more like one over the other. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I agree with you. I think it's like that transition of becoming a leader of leaders is what I call it. Um, and, you know, I think a lot of leaders go through that as you're used to being, um, Again, my, my background is different than yours and the fact that I've been in higher ed, but I started in enrollment, student services, working directly with students. I've been a faculty member, so that direct interaction. And I remember getting into my first leadership position and being like, well, what am I going to do? <laughs> because like, I assumed all those activities had to be like with 
the the actual end customer, for lack of better words. Um, and then, you know, very quickly, it's like you're able to transition to, well, this is a different way that I can influence. I can influence others that influence this. And I get to have that experience with people that, you know, growing in their leadership practice. But I do think that some people um, struggle with that more than others and other people kind of kind of grow into that a little bit quicker. But it's definitely a transition that I've seen. And I've seen it a lot in people that, you know, that I have the fortunate, um, you know, I'm very fortunate I get to work with a lot of really great leaders that lead teams and get to promote from within. And so you see that where people sometimes like, oh, this is great. Now I get to lead leaders and others say, oh, goodness, I really miss that. So I've definitely um, heard both. And it's an interesting, interesting transition for sure. Yeah. And I, I want to say a couple things about that. But actually, the first thing is I mentioned how I'm a coach of the uh, English department. And I have to acknowledge what's behind you. If you're listening to this on the podcast, uh, you obviously <laughs> won't really understand. But uh, if you're watching on YouTube, you'll notice that behind Dr. Stephanie is the word read spelled out in letters that are placed very nicely, very, uh, very <laughs> neatly and well spaced out behind her on the wall between the doors. I like that a lot. So I, I like the term you use, leader of leaders. And uh, I, I guess that will help transition us now into talking about what your work is really in, which is sort of that that downside, the bad side to leadership, <laughs> because some people can lead leaders and some people really can't, um, especially I think when it comes, I mean, look, there are bad teachers out there, of course, but right. I think when it comes to the adult learners, the the teachers, or in your case, uh, professors or other people in higher ed, uh, some people just don't do that well. And I'm, I'm actually, I pulled up a blog post that you had written probably a while ago now, but I think it, it aligns well with your, uh, your work. You said that your goals surrounding and the knowledge of toxic leadership grew out of necessity, or in other words, you learned about toxic leadership in order to survive. And so I guess the first question really is, how did you come to study this? And of course, uh, as I alluded to right there, it, it <laughs> has something to do with experiences that you had. Uh, so tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, I did. I absolutely learned about toxic leadership out of complete necessity. And I would also say even survival at that time. Um, so I was really fortunate. I grew up, um, you know, went to school, um, graduated right away. And I had a first job out of college. And I was surrounded by really great leaders that really cared about me. Um, I went on to get my MBA from Butler, um, had, again, a lot of experience with leadership. But everything I was ever exposed to was positive in leadership, um, both from the textbooks, as well as my classes, as well as my mentors. And I just truly had no idea negative leadership existed. Um, and then fast forward, you know, a couple of transitions happened within my current, with the, the school I worked with, different leadership brought in, and I found myself in an entirely different environment. And I was working for an entirely different type of leader, um, one that, um, you know, basically nothing was right. There was a lot of very abusive behaviors, a lot of um, pitting people against one another, um, a lot of shaming, a lot of um, firing for no good reason, a lot of bullying. And it was um, basically my phone was anytime I would 
go out anywhere, I was always attached and that person thought I could always respond and work for them. Um, and so there became no work-life balance. And then work, which was always so motivational for me, became such a stressor in my life. And I started behaving in ways that were not aligned with me. I have a lot of great um, morals and a lot of great centering. You see the read on the back. I'm a big reader the, on the front of my office that says, be kind. Like I'm a big believer in being kind. And all of a sudden I saw shifts in myself that I just wasn't behaving in the ways that I was proud of. And also I had a lot of anxiety, depression. Um, I couldn't sleep at night. And for whatever reason, I thought I was the problem um, because I viewed leadership as being good. And even though, and I was in a high level position at that time. So I was a leader of leaders. I had multiple people and I felt like I needed to protect my team from this and still be able to function in that way. And inside it was really destroying me. And so I again, still kept believing for multiple years. I look back and it's kind of like Stockholm syndrome. I thought it was my fault. I kept saying, I thought I could make it better. And luckily I had a friend of mine at the time introduced me to um, a really interesting documentary. It's called I Am Greater Than Fishhead. And it talks about corporate sociopaths. And at that time I watched it. And for the first time I realized that, oh, Maybe I'm not the problem here. Um, maybe it's not me that's not able to become a good leader and behave in this way. Maybe I, maybe I am okay and I'm just in a toxic environment. And so from there I had to learn, once I learned about it, I was able to get myself out of the situation. And then I had to question myself several times is how did I not know that this existed? And if I didn't know, who else didn't know? So hence that became my goal then to be able to figure out how to bring more awareness to the negative side. So in case other Stephanie Hinshaws out there were feeling so horrible about themselves, if understanding about that, that they maybe not them, that's a problem. I would hope I was hoping to help that. I hope that makes sense. That's probably a long winded answer well, to your question. It's it's such a long story. It's, it's great. <laughs> no, it, it's great. And and here's the thing. It makes a lot of sense to me because I was one of those Stephanie Hinshaws once and I'll get there in a second. But the the real reason, obviously, uh, that I want to talk about this and I wanted to bring you on is that there have to be others out there who are dealing with this. And, and I, I guess I'm hoping I, I don't want any of my listeners or anyone that I'm connected to in person or, you know, just connected to through social media to be going through this situation and dealing with toxic leadership. But if there are, I want them to understand that they're not alone and yeah. uh, and understand how to recognize it and what to do about it. Um, so I will tell you that I was in a situation uh, where two years ago I was hired. I don't want to tell the whole story. I'll try to make it short. Um, and I don't know that I've really opened up too much about this on the podcast. I know I've, I've alluded to it, but about two years ago I was hired by district administrators, not the school administration, uh, to work as a school administrator with uh, the principal and assistant principal. So it was a three-member three team, if you will. Uh, I use the term team pretty loosely. And I was a brand new administrator. Uh, and, and as it turned out, I, I really only worked in that job for about eight months before the feelings were mutual. I mean, I didn't really want to stay, uh, but I was essentially asked to not return if at all possible. And I basically said, I, why would I want to come back to that situation too? And a lot of things happened obviously over the eight months, but mostly I will say that um, I, was, I was blamed for not making a big enough impact. I was blamed for being too friendly with teachers. Uh, I was forced to write a, te write, I wrote at least one, maybe two teachers up. 
Um, and and that, neither of those teachers lasted any longer than I did. Actually, they were gone before I was, um, along with another two or three teachers. So when you when you mentioned things like that there were firings for what seemed to be no good reason, um, I consider it, I actually feel like that's a little strong uh, in my situation anyway. I felt like it was just giving up on people without either giving them a chance or without at least investing some kind of time and effort and energy into making them, you know, I say making them better, it probably would have become like making them who you want them to be versus who they really should be. But um, <laughs> it was a really tough situation. It really was. And, um, you know, I was I was disappointed to ha- have to kind of step back out of uh, an, an administrative role when I felt like I worked so hard to get there. Uh, but it, it was definitely a blessing in disguise. I'm, I'm much happier now. And, and, not having to deal with a lot of the things that you said in terms of that work-life balance, you know, being home more, spending time with my kids more, it's, it's all worth it in the end. And um, the question I had for you related to all of that is about the term gaslighting, because I'm assuming that that's a big part of this too. Um, and if that, I, I don't know if that word came up in your research at all, or if it does come up in your presentations or the work that you do to get your work out there to the world, but if you could just touch on that a little bit. Yeah, so it's a great term. So the term gaslighting isn't really used as much in the research of toxic leadership, but what we really talk about is self-promotion and narcissism, which is very much, you know, aligned with this, which is where you find a lot of leaders have two different demeanors, for lack of better words. So in research, we have what we use the toxic leadership scale, and there's five really major dimensions of toxic leadership, and I could go on in details and I won't. Um, But there's abusive supervision, authoritarian leadership, narcissism, unpredictability, and self-promotion. And a lot of the traits that you think of when you think of gaslighting, right? Like coming across one way, making everybody believe that you have a lot of power, talking differently to um, presidents and externally, and having a really great story, but behind closed doors, it's a totally different story, right? And that's what we think of with gaslighting. And please correct me wrong if I'm not, you know, getting that question right. And that is a huge part of it. And that's how toxic leaders can stay in positions for so long. Um, People don't come in and they look genuinely evil. They don't come in and tell you, hey, I'm going to berate followers, or I'm going to cut all costs, or I'm so great. And I'm going to how I'm going to get things done is I'm going to make everyone believe that my story is the right way or that I'm a micromanager. They're not going to say that. They are usually very smooth talkers, very experienced people with very good resumes um, that can talk a great game to people that quote unquote matter to them. And matter to them is a lot of times the people that are engage with their next promotion, not the people that really make the work happen. Um, so that's one of the things that makes um, toxic leadership Gosh, so tricky. this is tricky. making so much sense. Um, yeah, <laughs> so it seems so tricky, right? Because it, it's that's what makes it difficult. And when we talk about toxic leadership and research, we talk about this continuum. Um, and not everybody's going to come in and be inherently evil, like some of the the characters we think about are Elizabeth Holmes or you know those so, people. You're going to have passive ones. Just to follow up to that, are there... You know, you, you say that, um, I forget the term you use, but basically, you know, it's going to look different or it's going to build up differently in, in people. Are there certain um, traits, characteristics, even genders that are, are sort of like, you know, th- that there's a pattern to who is a toxic leader or, or not at all? I don't know. Yeah, great question. Um, the research shows- in, in my experience, and I'm not going to tell you which one you might be able to figure it out. In my experience, um, 
most of the not so nice leadership that I've dealt with has been from one gender or the other. And I don't want to stereotype, but I'm just saying that's in my experience, that's what it's been like. Yeah. So some of the traits are definitely more uh, related to male traits, right? Your macho, you're kind of the kind of competitive driven culture. And so there's been studies that have linked that a little bit more to male positions and male gender. Having said that, you know, the skepticism in me is also saying that we still have a lot more males in these positions being, you know, in leadership positions. And in my own most recent survey where I or research where I studied the long-term influences of toxic leaders, I had, um, you know, a mixed bag of participants. So actually a lot of my participants, I would say almost 50% of them in their interviews disclosed that they're their toxic leader was female. So I think that it's tilted, but I don't know if it's actually tilted uh, <laughs> because of um, just because of the different representation of female leadership positions or if it's truly linked to that. I think there's still a lot hmm. of work to be done there. Um, you know, the one trait that's definitely- Perhaps another linked- study of yours. Oh, <laughs> I know there's a lot here, but yes, another thing too, I didn't want to skip over is narcissism would be the one that's actually most re- closely linked as far as um, and so sociopathy and antisocial personality disorder. So when you get on that spectrum, that's pretty bad, but narcissism would be the one that you would really kind of link a little bit more. Hmm. Okay. Uh, going back to that, that was a lot, but Sorry. I, I think <laughs> what I, no, it's fine. I think what I'd like to do is let me go back to your blog post for a second that I, that I shared a little bit of before uh, you wrote in it that while you were going through this experience of, of being working under a toxic leader, you say, I started not being able to sleep at night, making bad decisions, not liking myself, having feelings of anxiety. You go on to say, and this is why I was asking you about the gaslighting too. You say, I always thought the problem was me. I thought I was causing this and that I needed to change uh, and that I wasn't good enough. Now, obviously that those are very personal to you. And I'm telling you that I shared so much, so many of those feelings as well when I was going through a similar situation. But you also just referred to um, that research that you did or survey that you did on more longer term effects. Are, are those some, some of the things specifically that, that you're speaking to? Or I guess just what, what are the effects then of uh, of the toxic leadership. If someone is going through that, you know, what are the kind of things that they may be feeling or that they're likely to feel? Uh, I, I guess to to give them an idea to uh, for how to recognize it, really, if they if they haven't yet. Yeah, absolutely. It's a great question. Um, so I'm going to talk about the the research, and then I'll extend a little bit more in the long term, a little bit because that's more removed. So from an individual perspective, so toxic leadership has impacts and harms at both the organizational well level as well as the individual level. So we'll talk about individual because that's what we're really talking about, the good stuff, right? How people are influenced by it. Um, so it's linked to job satisfaction, lower job satisfaction, higher turnover intentions. But from a purely personal perspective it's linked to um, stress. So people feel more stress. Um, They have higher um, paranoia. Um, So attributing, um, basically thinking that people are 
are out to get them more when they're not, or things have more of a negative tilt. Um, they also have um, less ability a lot of times to make sense of situations. So you have automatically jump to kind of a fight or fight flight kind of reaction versus thinking critically about items. And then from an effective well-being perspective, toxic leadership is linked very much with illnesses, just getting sick a lot. So if people are finding themselves sick or not being able to get to work, that might be a sign. Additionally, the lack of um, ability to sleep that's a big one, anxiety, depression, and even in some studies that I read, even with suicidal thoughts. So it can get real deep if it's really dark. Um, so that's been linked. As far as long-term, that's the area that I just finished a qualitative study about and something that is not published yet. Um, so I can kind of share with you a little bit is that self-confidence in those medical um, items, like those aren't just erased, right? So just because you stop working for somebody doesn't mean that you get that time back. And so the long-term influences, like it takes some time to build up your self-esteem again or ability to trust. And so I think a lot of those are really linked together because any kind of abuse, and, and this is kind of why I think it's so important we talk about this, is if we were in a situation where we had an abusive spouse, like we wouldn't expect that person to be okay, right? Or if we had familiar with family, we wouldn't expect that person to be okay. But yet, for whatever reason, society as a whole, when you go to work, you expect you to be able to come home and be okay. But yet, that's an important part of who we are. So, you know, it's a lot of those same kind of effects that people might be experiencing, Dan, to ask your, answer your question. And I definitely did myself. I just didn't know. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think back to the situation I was in and uh, again, it didn't last that long. Fortunately, like I said, blessing in disguise that uh, we were able to part ways at the end of that year. But it was into the summer when, you know, I left that school and that district. And I I've thought a lot about about it since. I still think about it all the time. Wow. Um, so, so you know, just rehashing it in this uh, in this conversation right now isn't it's nothing new in terms of myself bringing up the feelings and, and remembering the experiences. Um, and I've thought about I feel like I'm a really strong person, strong willed, everything. And and there are times where I'm like, man, maybe last school year, which was the first one in my new position at my new school and, you know, feeling good about things and, and good leadership versus toxic. But I'm like, I don't know. I, I still feel like there was probably part of that. I don't know whether it's self-doubt. I like to think of like having a, um, what's the, what's the right term here? Like imposter syndrome. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and maybe that's part of the gaslighting too, where, you know, I was made to feel like I just didn't do a good job. And that was in the four, four, uh, 13th year of my career when I had been working my way up and up and up. And I was like, all these other schools thought I did a good job. Like why all of a sudden I feel like the same guy, you know? And so I, I guess when I got to my new school, I was kind of like, Hmm, like, what do I, what do I do now? I don't know. It was just weird, but, um, I, I can definitely attest to and sympathize and empathize with people who, um, who may be feeling or have felt those kind of lasting effects from this kind of toxic leadership. Um, as we start to wrap up here and I really appreciate this conversation and, and I, I do hope that we are doing a lot of good uh, here in this episode, but also um, you with with this work and, and the continued work that you put into studying toxic leadership. I, I really think it's important and I don't think it gets talked about or studied enough and, and you could probably uh, second that. But Great. as we start to wrap up, um, if someone is in a situation where they're experiencing toxic leadership or maybe like me, they've just gotten out 
of a, of a toxic leadership situation and they're still sort of coming through and dealing with those lasting effects, I guess first, how do you get out of that situation if you have any advice there? And also, how can we deal with those, those lasting effects, those feelings that we get? Yeah, great questions. So getting out is the hardest part, right? And so this really begins with what we're doing right now. So thank you so much for tackling this topic with me, because if people aren't aware that this exists, they do think that they're the problem, they continue to stay, right? So part of it is awareness. So if you think that you are in such a situation, I encourage you to, um, heck, you can reach out to me, but I encourage you to do some Googling research, research toxic leadership, do some reading about it and start thinking if that's checking the boxes for you, right? And then go through those steps to say, okay, this isn't me and start planning a way to be able to get out of that. Um, the other part that sometimes we forget when we're in those environments is that we do have a choice and we also do have avenues to report it. So sometimes that is lost on us. I know it was lost on me that I could have gone and I could have used some other avenues to say this was happening. And if you want me to be really honest, Dan, I regret that the most because I decided just to leave where I feel like, you know, I did use some avenues. I don't want to say that I didn't use some, but I felt like because I didn't report it to some of the people that I probably could have. And I thought about later that it continued longer for other people. So, so I think that's the hardest part is because when you feel so beat down, you sometimes forget that you have a voice and then you also have to rally yourself to go apply for another position. And I mean, what you said is so true, which is like, even though you have this great track record, this little period of time where you've been told you're not doing a great job, you then now have to rally yourself to go apply for another job and forget that. And that's a thing, right? Um, so I think it's important to be able to try to separate that as much as possible, understanding that's difficult and remembering that not everybody else could have been wrong about you, right? Like not everybody else since you did a good job in this one person or one environment could. So, so I think that's some things to get out as far as once you're out, um, you know, a lot of things, a lot of self-care there. I mean, some people have talked about going to therapists that I visited with. Um, I personally did, um, you know, getting, making sure that your next environment is supportive, talking with people about it, knowing you're not alone. Dan, that's one of the things that came up in um, my research was, and I think you hit the nail on the head. It's like, people wonder if they're normal for, for feeling that way, right? Like, is that how you feel? And so I think even acknowledging that it does linger and that it does last and finding other people to have those stories with, there is that strength in numbers when you don't feel alone about it because we don't talk about it. So I think those are some tips that I would give in that area. But again, it's very complicated and everybody's journey has to be different. I wish this was a one size fits all solution. Um, but a lot of those decisions do have to come from the person, which I understand is difficult because it's at a position time you don't feel as great about yourself. I'm going to just, uh, if I if I may, piggyback uh, on what you said, and I'm going to throw my own expertise in terms of my experiences out here too, not because I've done the research on it, but because I've lived it. Um, I, my advice to anyone listening who has been in that situation or is currently in that situation, try to find some kind of closure uh, especially after you do get yourself out of that situation. Um, and again, I'll try to make a long story short, but I already mentioned that uh, in the position that I was in where I was dealing with a toxic leader, I was, as an administrator, forced to write up a teacher for something that they did wrong. I'm, I'm not going to say that they didn't, but it, it just didn't seem to me to be an offense worthy of uh, a disciplinary action against this teacher. Um but I did. And, and because a lot of it was because I was fearful for my job 
And I felt like if I didn't, uh, that, that I would be threatened uh, p- potentially with unemployment. And ultimately, that's kind of what happened. But um, I did it. And, and I wasn't proud of it. And, and I told people behind the scenes, including my family and, and other educators, that I didn't want to do it and I didn't feel comfortable doing it. But I did. And it, it caused a, a, a big thing. And there were meetings with the union. And I mean, it really, it got crazy. Uh, yeah. And fast forward, though, to just this past summer, maybe two months ago, the teacher that I wrote up who also uh, was asked to leave the school in the district just before I was, uh, she reached out to me. She actually found my website or my podcast and, and that's how she reached out. And we spoke and we both, I believe, I, I can safely speak for her when I say we both left that conversation with a better understanding of how we each were victimized Mm. in slightly different ways, but also the same kind of way because it was the same toxic leader who who did it to us. And I just, that was my closure that I needed. Um, And it helped me understand that uh, while people weren't quite sure what to make of me in the moment, uh, because of the way I was being um, manipulated yep. by my leader, uh, that wasn't who I am. And, and a lot of people saw through that, which I'm grateful for. But if they didn't, um, or if she didn't, I was at least able to make amends and apologize uh, and and say, you know, that that wasn't me. And to have that opportunity and to get that closure meant so much to me. And, uh, you know, I, I can really put that experience behind me much easier now having gone through that. So um, that would be my advice to, to try and find some kind of closure to just be able to move on and, and not have to have it linger on your, your conscience, your mind. Uh, so you don't lose sleep. Maybe you don't have to go to therapy. And I'm not saying that that's <laughs> right or wrong, but um, might, might save you a lot of money. Um, anyway, we're, this is getting pretty long here and I do want to wrap up, but I really appreciate this conversation and I'm guessing there might be a part two down the road at some point too, because I know there's a lot more we could talk about, but I want to thank you for your time. And before you go, if people do want to reach out to you for more information or maybe even to vent, I don't know, or to ask your advice, where can they find you? Yeah, you can reach out to me. LinkedIn is probably the best way. Just Stephanie Henshaw at LinkedIn. Um, I'm also on Twitter, Stephanie K22. Um, So please feel free to connect with me. I'm happy to talk more about it. And like you said, Dan, I think this is one of those topics that there's a lot there. (laughs) And since we don't talk about it, and I just, I'm so sorry to hear that you went through everything, but good for you for figuring out how to do the closure. I think that's a really great tip. So thanks for sharing that. Well, that'll do it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. If you haven't done so yet, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast app. Also, if you enjoy the content shared on the show, please recommend this podcast to other educators, leaders, friends, or anyone you think would love listening and learning. I would also appreciate it if you would leave a positive rating and review on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, or whatever podcast app you use to listen. For more information about me or this show, head over to leaderoflearning.com. While you're there, you can also find the Leader of Learning blog, how to connect on social media such as Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and Voxer, sign up for our newsletter, and even find out how to purchase Leader of Learning merchandise. Thanks again, and remember, no matter who you are or where you are, you too can be a leader of learning.